Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at gbcakron.org. That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Well, Happy New Year. You have made it through the first week of 2023. Does it feel like a month? Yeah, for some people it does. You know, uh, when, when we have a new year... Uh, sometimes uh, people will do this thing called resolutions. You know, they make a resolution. Now, I don't know if you're a resolution person or not, and I'm not trying to discourage you if you made a resolution. I hope you the best, but the top five New Year's resolutions, this is what they are. Exercise more to lose weight. Get organized. Learn a new skill or hobby. Save money or spend less, which those two kind of work together, don't they? So I don't know if you made a New Year's resolution. Let's, let's just ask, did anyone in here make a New Year's resolution? All six of you. So, so the rest of you are completely happy with who you are, okay? I get it, I get it. So those of you that made a resolution, I, I really hope you, you do well with it, but statistics tell us that 25% of the people who make a new resolution can't keep it for one week. In other words, today's the last day that they'll, that they'll keep that resolution uh, for 25% of those people. Uh, by six months, halfway into the year, 46% are still keeping the resolution. That's pretty good. 46% are are still keeping the resolution. But by the end of the year, only 9% have kept their resolution the entire year. So that means, uh, on average, about 91% of the people who make a New Year's resolution uh, can't keep it for the whole year. You know, sometimes life is a lot like that, isn't it? We... um, we want to be better, we, we want to do better, we do want to grow and change, and as we grow and change, our idea is, or at least the hope is, that as we're growing and changing, uh, that, that it is for the better, that, that we're not just changing and becoming worse, but, but that we're changing and becoming better. And in Ecclesiastes, which is the book that we're going to be looking at uh, for the next several weeks while we're together, um, Solomon, who wrote Ecclesiastes, um, the the best way I know to say it is, is like I said it last week, Ecclesiastes is the only book in the Bible that was written on Monday morning, okay? It's, he is not happy, okay? He's frustrated. He's frustrated with his life. He's frustrated with life on the planet Earth. And he, he's still a believer, okay? He, he knows God exists. He believes in God. He's worshiped God. He's a worshiper. But he's frustrated with what's going on and what's happening in the world. And so the whole book of Ecclesiastes is him trying to explain the meaning of life without God. 
That's, that's how he's looking at it. He's saying, you know what? If, if, what is the purpose of life? What, where is life going? Because man is pretty busy. It's pretty, he's pretty active, and she's pretty active. And so what, what does all of this amount to in life? That's his overarching question. And what he talks about in chapter one is that really life doesn't have a lot of progress to it. And notice what he says, beginning in verse three, he says, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Now, this phrase, under the sun, is used a lot in Ecclesiastes. And you have to remember that every time you see under the sun, he is talking about life without a perspective of faith. Okay, above the sun, there is God, there is heaven, there's, there's, there's what we place our faith in through Jesus Christ. But under the sun refers to just this planet. What's happening on this planet? And so he's, he's asking this question, if we work and we labor, what is the gain? Where is it going? What is the profit of life? What is the ROI, the return on investment? If I'm going to spend my whole life doing stuff, what's the return on my investment? What do I get out of it? What do you get out of it? That's what he's, that's what he's asking through the book of Ecclesiastes. And ultimately, his answer is nothing. We don't get anything out of it. I mean, we can, we can spend our whole life, we do, we spend our whole lives working here. And how, how does, it, does it allow us to live longer? Do the people who work harder, are they actually happier? Do the people who have more, are their lives really more valuable or more meaningful than those who have less? Those are the questions he's asking. That's what he's saying. And, and, and ultimately, he's wrapping it all up and he's saying, work as hard as you want. Do whatever you want to do with life. But all of us get the same return on our investment. Nothing. Nothing. Well, aren't you glad you came to church? Yeah. Yeah, aren't you glad you're watching online this morning? This is what Solomon is saying. He, he, he is down and out. He goes on to prove his point. Now, he's going to prove that life is not making progress in these next few verses that we're going to look at together. He says, generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. In other words, people come and go. Life on earth is like a movie. There are actors and there are, there are costumes and there are sets. And those actors and those costumes and those sets, they're constantly changing. But there's no progress. One generation comes, another generation goes, and then another generation feels the one that left. And it just keeps going in this cycle. We think of the next generation, a lot of times when we think of our kids and we think of our grandkids, we think of hope, right? That's the generation, our hope is in the future. But have you ever noticed that the future generations, they just, well, there's always this generation gap, Right? The generation gap never goes away. And, and the young think the old don't know what's going on. And the old think the young don't respect them anymore. And that happens with every generation. It never changes. And all the new generations, do they really ever learn anything from the older generations? 
That's what Solomon's talking about. People come and go, and then they, they go, and new people come, and it's just this cycle that never ends. He says the sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. In other words, he's saying we get 24 hours a day, everybody. Nobody gets more, nobody gets less. And the sun, it's interesting. He says the sun hurries across the sky. That, that word hurries, it, it means he pants, the sun pants across the sky. He's implying that even the sun gets weary of its same path over and over and over again. Every day, the same path, the same amount of time, there's no progress. It's just the same. He goes, the, the wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning to its source. Here in the U.S., the wind has a pattern of west to east, but in Palestine, it blows from north to south. So the wind, it follows a pattern, and it blows past, and it comes back again. And it blows past, and it comes back again. It's following the same pattern all the time. There's no progress. A lot of movement. I mean, the sun's going across the sky, same pattern every day. The wind's following its same pattern every day. But there's no progress. It's the same every day. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. So water keeps circulating, right? It goes from the ocean to the clouds to rain to rivers. And where does it go back? To the ocean. And that cycle goes over and over and over again. There's no progress. It's just the same cycle happening over and over and over again. A lot of activity. So it begs to ask the question, if the sun and the wind and the oceans have nothing to show for all their movement and activity, what can we possibly show for all the activity in our lives? Are we too just stuck in a pattern? Doing the same thing over and over again? And there's no progress to life? He goes on to say, all things are wearisome. More than one can say, the eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its feel of hearing. The eye and the ear, they're never satisfied. They always want more. I remember back when the pandemic was going on and, and uh, a lot of us uh, you know, were hunkered down at home. We couldn't go to work. We couldn't go to school. We couldn't go anywhere. I swore my kids found the end of Netflix. <laughs> but you know what? There is no end to Netflix. And there is no end to Spotify. They just keep producing more and more and more and we keep watching more and we keep listening to more and it's never full. We're never done. We're always entertained, but we're never satisfied. No progress. He goes on to say, what has been will, will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. So life is like a big laundry room. You go in and you do the laundry and it's clean and you live that day and you get up the next day and you go back in and there's more laundry. 
There's really nothing new about that. Is there any progress? It's interesting that the circumstances of life change, but the condition of humanity never changes. So is there really any progress? Are we going anywhere? New year, but will it be any different? That's what he's asking. That's what he's looking at. He goes on to say, is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was already here long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I uh, was sitting around one day and when I tell you what I was reading, you're gonna think, oh my gosh, Carrie was bored that day. But I found an article in the Smithsonian Magazine and it was titled 96 Fascinating Finds in 2022. 96 now, I didn't read the whole article, okay? By, by the first six or seven, I got the point of what they were talking about. But 96 finds, fascinating finds, and all 96 of these things were things that were already here. They were just forgotten and rediscovered. I'll read it, just share a part of it. It says, but while countless masterpieces have vanished over the years, many others remain hidden away, tucked in attics and basements, awaiting the day that their genius will once again be recognized. In May of 2022, an oil canvas of Mary and Jesus sold at an auction for around $320,000. None of those paintings are in my attic. The artwork had spent years hanging in an elderly woman's London bedroom. Other long lost art found hiding in plain sight included a King Dynasty vase that was kept in a kitchen before selling at auction for $1.8 million. A previously unknown sculpture by a 20th century British artist which spent decades sitting on the mantle of a farmhouse was also sold for several thousand dollars. And the whole article goes on and on about all these new discoveries. They weren't new. They've been here for decades. Some of them centuries. It's nothing new. It's just new to us. It was here all along. He's talking about the fact that we haven't learned from all of those who came before us. And guess what? Those who come behind us won't learn from us either. There's no progress. He goes on to say, I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore. In other words, he's saying, I see these cycles and I see there's no progress. So I'm going to apply my mind to figure out what this is about. What is going on? He says, I'm gonna explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on man. You see, Solomon's question is, if, if, there's, no life in, if there's no progress in life, What's the purpose of life? If we're not, if humanity's not getting better, why does humanity exist? If we're not 
getting any better at what we're doing at what we call life. So he goes on this mission to answer that question. And it's real important that you and I understand. He's not doubting the existence of God. It's the existence of God that makes this worse. Because he's saying God exists and God created humans, yet humans can't seem to make progress. God, why would you do that? Why would you set the world in motion? And why would you create human beings to live on that world and yet place this huge burden upon them that they're going to, to, to spend their entire lives trying to make progress and not making progress? And it happens to generation after generation after generation He goes on to say in verse 14, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. He keeps saying that over again. You gotta remember, he's looking at life without a faith perspective. Under the sun. He says, I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. He uses another phrase here, chasing after the wind. Uh, he uses that a lot in the book of Ecclesiastes. The best way I know to describe what he means by chasing after the wind is kind of what you and I mean when we say we're trying to herd cats. We, we, can't, we can't get it done. I imagine chasing the wind, when I read this phrase, this is what I think of. I, every fall, uh, where I live here in New Franklin, we have a lot of trees around our house, so we get a lot of leaves and, and so these leaves fall in my yard, and, and so I, I do have a wooded area that I can blow all of my leaves into that wooded area, unless the wind is blowing against me. And it doesn't, I've got the biggest steel backpack blower you can buy, all right? The thing blows me around. I'm not sure who's pushing it, but I'm telling you, if the wind's blowing against me, it doesn't make any difference. I can stand out there with my blower and blow all day long. But if the wind is against me, it's meaningless. That's what he's saying. He's saying I, I, all this activity, all this stuff that we try to do, it's no progress. We're not getting better. Humanity's not getting better. He goes on to say, I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. And then I applied myself to, under, to the understanding of wisdom. Now this, so some of you that have been in church a long time, you know this, that in the Bible, there's, the, the, you know, there's more than one word for love. It's always translated love, but, but in the original text, there's more than one word that means love. You guys know what I'm talking about? Well, in Ecclesiastes, the word wisdom is used a lot, but, but there's different kinds of wisdom. But we just translate it into English as wisdom. And here, where he's talking about wisdom, he said, I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom. He's talking about morality. He said, life is not making progress. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, what about people who are living moral lives? 
What about those people who are out there that, that they're trying to be the very best people they can be, their morality is top notch. That's what he's referring to right here. He's saying, I applied myself to the understanding of living a moral life. And then he goes on to say, and also of madness and folly. And here he's talking about loose living. In other words, he's saying there's, there, there are people out there who are very moral people and they're trying to do what's right. And then there are other people in the world who are loose living people and they don't seem to have a lot of morals. I'm going to study both categories. He went beyond studying. He practiced both categories. And he goes on to say, but I learned this too. It is a chasing after the wind. Both bring no progress. Neither one makes humanity better. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow, the more knowledge, the more grief. That is a great verse for 2023. It's a great verse for us to understand because, you know, let me tell you something. Here in the U.S., maybe in the world, we are addicted to knowledge. We think we have the right to know everything. But with all of that knowledge comes more grief, more sorrow. I mean, I get on the internet and scroll news articles. Very few make me happy. Oh, I know what's going on in the world. I know what's happening. But it's not making me any happier. That's what he's saying. Information fails to bring transformation. All that he learned only created more grief. You see, there's no progress, no matter how much he learned. That so leads us to this observation. And that is, without Christ, life gets stuck in a rut. And that's what he's been describing this entire chapter, the ruts of life. The, there's, there's nature. It does, it does the same thing every day. And there's people who do the same thing every day. And there's, there's generations. They come and go. It's the same in each generation. There's, there's the eye and the ear. And, the, and, it's, and it sees, but it's never full. And it, it just, there's no progress. And then there's, there's learning and education. There's morality and loose living. There's all of these things. That, and we can do them all, but humanity doesn't seem to be getting better. You see, without Christ, life gets stuck in a rut. Four times, just in the verses that we've read this morning, he has said, under the sun or under the heavens, he's looking at life without a perspective of faith, without Christ being in it. And without Christ, can I tell you something? Life becomes very uniform, very predictable. It becomes monotonous. There's a world of no prayers and a world of no answer to prayers. A world of no miracles and no wonder and no amazement and no awe. Without Christ, it's just frustration. 
And here's the thing, we don't see it at the moment sometimes. We think, oh, this new thing, this new thing will make me happy. This new knowledge, this new job, this new relationship, this new career, this the new degree, this new person in my life, they'll make a difference. Give it just a little time. And you realize there's really no difference at all. It's just the same. The actors change, the set change, the costumes change, but the play is still the same. Because without Christ, we get stuck in a rut. We need to look at life under the sun. He keeps talking about under the sun versus under the sun, okay? Under the S-U-N versus under the S-O-N because there's two types of life. There's life on this planet and it's just under the sun, the sunlight that we see, of course, here in Akron, even that's blocked about three quarters of the year. And then there's life under the sun, Jesus Christ. And understanding the difference between the two, the way Solomon looks at it, under the sun, S-U-N, it's a life without a faith perspective. It's a, a, and he declares there's nothing new. There's nothing new. And you know what? If, if, if you're kind of cynical about religion, if you're kind of cynical about, about faith and God and cynical of the church, and, and though, if, though, if you have real reservations about those kinds of things, you might find yourself agreeing with Solomon. This is how life is. And we just need to make the best of it. Try to be the best I can be. And deal with it. Because there's, there's nothing new. There's nothing new. Or we can look at life the way God presents it. As being under the sun, S-O-N. Because if we look at life that way, then we have to take into account what the rest of Scripture talks about. And the rest of Scripture talks about a God who is not bound by the routines of life on this planet. He's not bound by the natural laws that you and I are aware of. He's not bound by time. He's not bound by circumstances or nature And if we place ourselves under the sun, S-O-N, if we place ourselves under him, then we can join God in a life that's not bound by the things Solomon is talking about here. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. For those who place their life under the sun, S-O-N. Look at what Isaiah 43, 19 says. God declares, for I am about to do something new. You do know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? He didn't do something new just once. He's in the business of doing something new. But what is the new thing that he's doing? If we continue to look at some verses, Ezekiel says, 
This is God speaking. He says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. In Ephesians 4, it says, put on your new nature created to be like God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. You see, if we only read Ecclesiastes, well, we can understand that, man, it looks pretty hopeless, But if we begin to take into account life under the sun, the S-O-N, Jesus Christ, then we discover that God is all about doing some new things. But I don't know if you caught it or not. It leads us to this observation, and that is that God is committed to changing people, not the world. He's committed to changing me and you not to changing the world. Listen, when sin entered the world, the world was placed on a trajectory that not even God can change. Do you get it? It's, it's set, there's, a, there, there's consequences to the humanity, to, to the sinfulness of humanity, to the sinfulness that came before us, to the sinfulness that exists while we're here, and to the sinfulness that will come after us. There's, it, it's, it's set the world on a path that God can't change the path. So what is the new thing? The new thing is what he does inside of us. You see, he's about changing people a new nature, a new heart, a new new character, a new spirit within us. He's committed to changing those things if we place ourselves under the Son, under Jesus Christ. And so as we start this new year, here's here's the question. Is it gonna be a new year or is it gonna be a new you? Because many of the times what we spend our time, listen, I've been a pastor a long time and I can tell you what what many people who go to church spend a lot of time praying about. I I can't say so much about people that don't go to church because I I, I do rub shoulders with them, but they don't talk to me about their prayer lives that much. People who go to church talk to me about their prayers. And you know what most of our prayers are about? God changed this world. Change my job, change my marriage, change my kids, change my financial income, change change the car I drive, change where I live. Help me get this loan, Lord. Lord, Lord, help help my body get well. And, And that's what a lot of our prayers are about. And God, he cares about all that stuff. He wants us to talk to him about all that stuff. But what he's committed to is changing us, not the world not the world. And so what happens is that when he changes us, we change the flavor of what's going on in the world. It's kind of like it's kind of like when someone sets some food in front of you and and the food is prepared, it's done. There's nothing else you can do to it. It's ready to be eaten. 
But you take that first bite and you're like, mm, something's missing. And you add a little salt and it makes it better, right? You didn't change anything. You didn't change the meal. You didn't go recook it. You didn't, you didn't change the, the pattern of what happened. All you did was add a little salt and it changed the flavor of what's going on. And folks, when God changes you and me, it changes the flavor of our life. It makes it a lot more palatable. When we place ourselves under the sun, the S-O-N. And if we, if we leave Jesus out of our lives, there is no newness to life. It is as it has always been. You will follow the footsteps of everyone before you who didn't follow Jesus Christ. You will be, just, you will be stuck in that pattern, the pattern that he's talking about. You'll be stuck in that without Jesus Christ. And it'll be frustrating. It'll be frustrating. I'm gonna lead us in prayer and then Pastor Stephen's gonna come after me and he's gonna close our service. But I want you to think about your life. We've all been given a new year, but it's really not new. It's not, it's not new in the sense that it's gonna be different or headed in a different trajectory than last year. Not even God can change that. But we have an opportunity to have a new life. A new life, if you want it. But it comes by placing ourselves under the leadership of Jesus Christ. And letting him become our leader for And that's how you can have a really new year. Not because your circumstances have changed, but because you've let him change you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and how it reminds us of what's important. And Lord, what's important in life is, is not our circumstances. They get most of our attention, but that's not what is really most important. What's most important is our character, who we are, because it's the only thing we take with us into eternity, is who we are. And we can't be better without Jesus. Lord, I pray that, that if there's someone sitting here in this room or if there's someone watching online and they really want a new life, that right now they would, they would cry out to you and receive the new life that you're offering, the new heart that you want to give them, the new nature that you want to give them, the new thing that you want to do in their life. Lord, I pray they would cry out for it now. 
Lord, as we think about what your word is telling us. May we receive it by faith. May we act on it by faith. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.